Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are on episode 31 of the Word in Youth Ministry. I'm Kyle, and I'm here as usual with my friends Matt and Linda. And we are part in part of our summer uh, podcast series that we're doing, where we're looking at the four parts of the story of Scripture, uh, defined as creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. So you can go back and look at the previous two episodes where we talked about creation and the fall. But this episode, we're going to specifically be looking at uh, the idea of redemption and how it fits within the storyline of the Bible. But before we jump in, uh, we want to remind you that we are youth workers and we're talking to youth workers. We know some of you um, are working full-time as youth workers. Other, others of you are volunteers. Some of you may be bivocational or maybe a parent. Um, but we uh, want to remind you, we are youth workers. So I was just wondering, Matt, uh, with your experience in youth ministry, are you positive or negative towards all-nighters or lock-ins? <laughs> I, uh, I, I like all-nighters. I like lock-ins. Um, and this is not a, this is the, it's just not a popular opinion anymore. I think they're really fun and parents hate them and youth workers hate them, but I think they're just a, they're just a really fun time. Matt, I am I even, I'm even more of a friend of you than I was before we started. I'm also pro lock-in. One of my first youth events ever was a lock-in. I made a mistake my first year of youth ministry doing two lock-ins. That was too much. Two lock-ins in one year was too much but it has become a favorite thing on my schedule. If, again, to youth workers listening, I have found in my experience, lock-ins or all-nighters work best if you can move to different locations for parts of the night. So people, uh, students get tired, they get grumpy, but if you can move to different locations uh, throughout the night, I have found them uh, to be good. Linda, pro lock-ins or against lock-ins? So, okay, I'm going to talk first about different lock-ins I've experienced before I give my answer, but yes, please part do. of what you were saying reminded me of this, that um, there, you know, this is the fourth church I've been at and the first church I was at, I think if I've ever seen lock-ins done well, I think they did it well because they did part of what you're talking about there. They actually referred to it as a lock-out and they used it as a reward. So it was just for middle school students and they said, if you attend X number of small groups this semester, then you are eligible to sign up for our lockout. And we would spend like two hours at this arcade place and then two hours doing bowling. And we would do like a scavenger hunt around town in the vans and all this different stuff before finally it was probably like 4 a.m. that we would get back to the church and we would watch a movie, which really meant that half people were falling asleep. If there's a way to do a lock-in, I think that they did it well. I've also a different church, the youth pastor was like, let's plan a lock-in for all the kids. And I was like, I don't think our kids want to do it. And then two kids signed up and we canceled it. So you really just kind of have to know, like, uh, know the context. Yeah. Are your students for this? Do they want to not sleep all night? And I think that that could be one of the things that really makes a difference in whether student ministry people like it or not. If they're in context where the students want to stay up all night, or if they're in context where students are 
constantly exhausted and wanting to get more rest. I personally would fall on the side of, I do not love walk-ins. I think that it's all about purpose to me. There's probably good purposes you could come up with for walk-ins, but if it's primarily just like a, I don't know, outreach event or like community relational building event, like I just kind of think that there are better better things I could plan that don't take up like 12 hours of my time and then exhaust me and all my volunteers. And like, I just don't think that everybody is their best at like, you know, two to five in the morning. And so I think that the relationships that we, you know, like we're more likely to be mad at each other and get on each other's nerves then. And so I don't know if that's kind of the context I want to be creating for all of them. So I think there are other ways to get better bang for your But you would say they're permissible. They're, they're permissible. I will say I'm, I'm in this um, group of youth ministry people that communicate with each other sometimes. And every now and then someone asks, Hey, so what do y'all think about a lock-in? And overwhelmingly, everyone is like, don't do it. Don't start it. So I just feel like that's, that's kind of the the more popular opinion of, of seasoned youth ministry people. Yeah, so if you're listening to this podcast right now and you are pro lock-in, we would love to hear from you. I I have found, I think you made a compelling case, Linda, for why not to have a lock-in. I have found that to be true if that's our context, but I've also found that in 12 hours, if we can do it well, that kids can come, they can have fun, and they can go home. And if their parents know what they're signing up for, I I think the longer I've done youth ministry, just recently, I've just started telling kids, like, we do a thing called messy games. And I'm like, if you don't want to get messy, don't come to this event. Or we're going to an amusement park called Cedar Point. Like, if you don't want to ride a roller coaster, you don't have to come. And so with all-nighters, though, I feel like even kids who don't want to come want to be with their friends. But anyways, this is just a reminder, as you're listening to this episode, we are youth workers. Um, We have all uh, taken part in lock-ins, but I do not recommend a more than uh, one lock-in per year, or you might end up out of youth ministry. But more importantly today, uh, like we said, two episodes again, uh, ago, we looked at creation, that God created the world good, and that uh, in, in Genesis, but also throughout scripture, we see that our God is a creator God. But then the last episode, we talked about the fall, that in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve chose out of pride to do what they wanted to do rather than what God wanted them to do. The serpent had them question the word of God, and they they chose wrongly. They, um, like I said, acted out of pride, and sin entered into the world. We talked about how all people today, both um, by nature and by choice, are sinners, and how that sin has went into the world and caused a lot of horrible effects. And here we are on this third part of our summer series, um, and we're going to be talking about redemption today, the redemption that comes through Jesus. So to kind of start us off today, um, Matt, I was wondering if if you were asked the question, what is the gospel? Because when we think about redemption, what we really want to get to is what is the gospel or what is the good news that the Bible teaches? How would you answer that question? What is the gospel? And how would you uh, teach it to our students? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, I will answer that question with a mini sermon. And I'm going to start in uh, Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent 
and believe the gospel. So we see twice gospel being used. That word is euangelion. It just means good news. Um, it's a translation mostly from Isaiah, where we talk about it's good news when God is going to come back, particularly in the servant songs and after in Isaiah, that's the latter portion of Isaiah, where that God is going to come back and make the world right. And um, and so the big picture of the gospel is that God is coming in the person of Jesus to make the world right again. Um, and uh, what's surprising about what Jesus says there, there's a couple of things that are surprising. One of the things that he says that's surprising is the kingdom of God is here. The reason that's weird is because God has always been the king. But the reason that Jesus says he's, the kingdom of God is at hand is because now Jesus is the king who is here. So the kingdom is actually always, or this world is always supposed to be reigned or ruled by uh, Adam or humanity. And now in the person of Jesus, a human being uh, who is also God is coming to rule this world again. So that's really surprising. The other thing that's surprising about the gospel is whenever we think gospel, we tend to think death and resurrection of Jesus. But it's interesting that Jesus can announce the gospel before he died. And so, and the reason is, is because it's, it's all about God coming to make the world right. Now, having said all of that, if we could follow that, the very core of the kerygma or the gospel preaching is Jesus died for the sins of his people and rose again. So that the core of the restoration project that God is about is to take the sin of humanity away from them and restore them to a right relationship with God so that the blessings of the kingdom could flow out from redeemed humanity. Yeah, and that flows in so many different ways, right? So like last episode, we talked about how the effects of the fall, um, they, they affect our relationship with God, with ourselves, with others and creation. And all of that is going to be affected by redemption, right? It, redemption is not only about my own, um, relationship with God being restored, but all these things Christ is going to restore. Um, and even to pick on some, uh, pick up on some of the things we've mentioned in, uh, the previous two episodes, um, one thing you can do is, is take these topics and kind of walk them through the creation, fall redemption. And then in the next episode, we'll talk about consummation, um, kind of framework, right? So we've mentioned, um, we've mentioned work before and how work was part of God's good creation. And I don't know if we mentioned this in the fall episode or not, but it's because of the fall that work is frustrating. And it's because of fall that um, school is not enjoyable for our students. So often, you know, that that was not part of the original good design, but in Christ, God is redeeming that and going to restore it back to what it was before. Right. And so we're called like in the new Testament to do all things to the glory of God. We, we can, um, start redeeming our, our work in that way, in, in a sense. Um, and what, one other thing we've talked about is the image of God. Um, so I wanted to read this passage from second Corinthians, um, this is chapter three, verse 18 it says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So in the beginning, we're made in the image of God. We are imaging God, um, reflecting things about him, but something about that is broken in the fall. 
And there are a lot of ways in which we um, are reflecting not the Lord <laughs> in our sin. But in the process of redemption, as God saves us, and then he is saving us continually from the power of sin in our lives, he is restoring that image in us. And that won't reach um, completion until we get to the consummation restoration. Um, but that is happening um, now. And so there's very much this like already, but not yet aspect to um, redemption where we see these things happening now. They're just not complete yet. Yeah, Linda, thank you for mentioning the idea here of running these different scenarios through, because as we have students thinking through how their life applies to the Bible, um, it reminds me of uh, ep an earlier episode we had. It was episode 24 with a biblical counsel counselor, Jonathan Holmes, where he reminded us that when we think of preaching or teaching, we go Bible to life. But when we think of biblical counseling, we talk about um, issues that people have in life and we take them to the Bible. And I just think that one way we can do biblical counseling with students without telling them that they're being counseled or without telling, you know, making an appointment and having them come in is just training students to think through what's happening in their life. And then what does the Bible have to say about it? And we recently did some training here with Jonathan Holmes. Um, and he just reminded me how just taking this idea creation, fall, redemption, consummation, like you can make four counseling sessions out of this. And just each time as you're meeting with a student who is dealing with anxiety, this is not giving all the answers. This is not super simplistic, but reminding the student that when God created them, it was good. That when God created them, he knew what he was doing. They were not a mistake by God. And then the next week, when you're talking about anxiety, reminding them that sin entered into the world and, and just going on and on, I just encourage youth workers to go back to episode 24 or not 24, episode 14, and listen to that um, and use this um, as we counsel students. Another way that I was just thinking about this, um, Matt, when you were talking, just how in the beginning of Mark, the word gospel comes up. And I was just thinking recently when I was teaching that passage, a student came up to me afterwards and said, but what is the gospel? And I just think sometimes when we teach the Bible, we overcomplicate things. Like we just need to read the Bible sometimes. And I was just, uh, have my Bible open here to uh, Romans 3. And when we think about this podcast episode, episode 31 on redemption, what does the Bible say about redemption? And in Romans 3, 23 and 24, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And right here in front of us, we don't need to make this up. We don't need to teach kids Greek. Right here, we see uh, the translators of, of this translation of the Bible use the word redemption. And it was through the redemption of Jesus Christ that we are able to receive grace, which is a gift. And I wanted to mention one resource uh, that I found super helpful is a book by Greg Gilbert. It's part of the Nine Mark series. Um, it's called What is the Gospel? And he runs a similar... He, um, he's trying to explain it. He does God, man, Jesus response. So it's slightly different because he's actually not trying to paint a picture of the storyline of the Bible. Um, he's trying to paint a picture that we need to choose whether we're going to follow Jesus or not instead of what our next episode will be. But I've just found even those first three words, um, God has created all things, man or woman. Sometimes I say people just to um, you know take away some of the gender questions that we have um, with students. And then uh, Jesus is the one who came to save. And so when we think of redemption, we just, we, we get halfway there if we explain that they're sinners, like our last episode, but we must get to Jesus 
um, or else they're not going to have a way um, to move forward. So Matt, how would you continue as we think about this with students? Yeah, I, I mean, that has to be the core of the gospel. I know. So when, when I started by saying, oh, you know, God's going to make the world right again, that's the good news. Well, the core has to be our personal salvation and response to Jesus. And one of the things that we can think about it, um, you use the word justification, right? That comes straight from the Bible. We talked about in the fall that all human humans are guilty. That is, we have a sentence that's a legal that's a legal um, uh, uh, sentence over our heads. We have broken the law and we deserve punishment. So we're guilty. We're also polluted. That's an existential or personal. We have moral failures and and yuck and junk because we sin. And in the gospel, the way that that God um, reverses those things or redeems us is he offers us justification by faith, the declaration that we're no longer guilty, but we're righteous in Jesus. And then he begins to start his renewal project in us. He sanctifies us. Sanctification or the growth in grace and, um, and moral goodness, righteousness, is the way that God progressively over time answers the pollution problem that we have. Yeah, so what you just said, Matt, and what Linda said earlier, both talks about time, right? You like we talked about prog- this term progressive, which reminds us that as we're going through the summer series, creation, fall, redemption, consummation, right? We're seeing that um, the Bible is written like, um, although you know, we could have a long argument about God being outside of time and what that looked like, that uh, this is moving along, right? Before Jesus came into the world, sin had to be in the world because Jesus came to be a solution, like you just said, Matt, to that pollution, to the to the sin that came into the world. Uh, before we take a break, Linda, I was wondering, um, as you were talking earlier um, about your different churches you've been in with lock-ins, way more important than we think about lock-ins or all-nighters, <laughs> Um, I think that uh, for a lot of our listeners who are coming from a variety of settings, some of their main audience might be church kids, kids who grew up in the church. Some of them might be um, evangelistic kids. Like one thing I was just talking to someone who like his youth group attendance um, has full of a lot of kids who come from broken homes. So like one week he might have 20 kids and the next week he might have seven and then he'll have 20 because these kids are going through custody. And I'm like, it was just a good reminder for me that like our audience is always different. And I was just wondering, Linda, before we take a break, if you can just um, explain to us how you've been in four different churches, how teaching about Jesus maybe has been similar in those different settings, or maybe what it's looked like different in those settings based on the audience in front of you. Mm, That's a good question. Um, You know, I think most of the contexts have been full of lots of students who have grown up in church. Um, And so... There, there are ways, though, in which um, probably some of the like besetting sins or like um, in what ways are they legalists might look different in different settings that I might ad- address different differently. Um, one, one thing that I have found helpful, um, and I didn't discover this for many years in in ministry, is seeing if, um, if I can ask students the question, uh, what is the basic message of Christianity? And if they can answer that, then I can get a very good idea from them of, do they actually have an understanding of the biblical story and of the gospel? Because I've gotten answers like, um, uh, it's, it's like worship God and be a good person, you know? Um, and, uh, certainly those are things that are commandments in the Bible, but, um, 
those are not the basic message of Christianity. Um, and so I, I have heard students over and over through the years give answers to things and lessons that indicate to me that they, they sometimes um, think of Jesus primarily as their good example that they have to follow before they think of him as first their savior that they need because they are a sinner. And I, I, I think I'm constantly trying to help students see you cannot just look at him as a good example unless you first are like, he needs to first and foremost be your savior because you can never live up to that example. And that is an exhausting endeavor. If you think that create Christianity is all about living up to the good example of Jesus, because that, that is not it. That is not the gospel. The gospel is good news. And good news is not about things that we are supposed to do. Good news is about what Jesus has done for us. And so I would say like that, that has been very similar in all of my churches, um, for sure, is trying to get to that core issue of do they actually understand the gospel is the basic message? And that's good news. That's not some standard that they have to live up to. And Matt, you have been at one church for a long time. We talked about last time since 2008, you've been on staff at that church. How is Obviously, I, I think your answer on the last episode, and if you didn't listen to it, I'd encourage you to go back to episode 30. I think you made a comment that I, I hope everyone could resonate to is that as God continues to sanctify us and the closer we get to Jesus, hopefully we get better at teaching the Bible also, because the closer we are to Jesus, we'll be able to teach better. But how has this idea of teaching about redemption to students kind of um, possibly evolved over time, or how have you grown in this? I think that I get really excited. You could tell in my answer, I get really excited about all of the different implications of redemption applied. So things like what Linda was talking about, that I can go to work again because of the gospel and like enjoy it. And it's not just thorns and thistles to me. I get really excited about all those things, but I recognize in my heart, I will drift away from the unmerited grace and favor of Jesus if I'm not first and foremost focused on that, on, on yeah. the salvation that he's given. And so yeah. So if you're just asking a very, very personal question, like I love to talk about all the implications. I always need to remind myself with my students and myself to go back to just the core realities of justification by faith, sanctification uh, by grace, by grace through faith as well. Um, so if, if that's an answer to your question. Yeah, no, that's helpful. And I just think all of this is a reminder uh, for those who are listening and for us that this is why preaching the gospel to ourselves is so helpful that like it's so easy for us to be able to uh, teach the Bible to students or train youth workers and 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 uh, counsel parents and help others, but we need to be constantly preaching the gospel to ourselves because one thing that can happen is when we see the sin of the students and we see the sin of the families, we can end up focusing on the sin more than our Savior. And so we're going to take a quick break. I did want to mention uh, something Linda just said about. Um, a lot of people today can look at Jesus as an example um, rather than our savior. Um, on uh, one of the other podcasts, part of the CPYU podcast network, it's called Youth Culture Matters. Uh, we had an episode come out recently. It's episode 152, and it is five different youth workers responding to a book um, written by Michael Kruger. He is the president of RTS in Charlotte, and it's called The Ten Commandments of Progressive Christianity. And one of the chapters in that book that's mentioned in this podcast is how progressive Christians look at Jesus as an example, more importantly than Jesus as our Savior. And I would just recommend that book to you. It's short. 
Um, it's easy to read. I'm um, eight out of 10 chapters in reading with students. We do two chapters in about 20 minutes. We discuss them before church on Sunday mornings, and it's been a super helpful. So I would uh, recommend you going to um, one of the other two podcasts in the CPYU podcast network. That's episode 152 of Youth Culture Matters. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we will continue to discuss redemption and how it fits into the youth ministry world. I often hear grandparents say how glad they are that they don't have to raise kids in today's world. While these comments might not be very encouraging to those of us who are parents or who are doing youth ministry with kids today, they do recognize the fact that there are lots of confusing and dangerous cultural realities that kids need to navigate if they are going to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. In an effort to provide parents and youth workers with an easy-to-use tool designed to help kids find their way through the choices they face in today's world, I've written a new little book that can be used individually or in small groups, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. It's the shortest book I've ever written, but it's the one I believe will have the greatest impact in terms of discipling the emerging generations. If you want to teach your kids how to live in today's culture while following God's will and way, check out this new little book, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. You can learn more and order copies at cpyu.org. Well, welcome back to the Word and Youth Ministry Podcast, episode 31. We are talking about redemption today. And one of the things that, that I just want to point out is redemption uh, is a buying back. And, and what Jesus did for us is he bought us back from sin uh, and death. And, and, and I think it's important. A lot of times we think, okay, like what, there's something wrong with me. I've done something wrong and God needs to clean off the wrong so that I can be in the right again. And that is true. That is absolutely true as far as it goes, but that's not the reason that God wants to do that. The reason is that God wants to do that is not because he's simply a God who needs order and laws to be obeyed. The reason God does that and the reason God redeems us is because he is a God who delights to be in relationship with his people. I will be your God and you will be my people. And so the means by which God brings us back into relationship with him is that he forgives us of our sins and he cleans us because he cannot, you know, he's perfect. He can't dwell with, uh, with sin, but it's all for the purpose of being connected to us, being unified to us. Um, because he delights to share his love and his glory that he's been experiencing in all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with us, his people. And so that's just, that's the why of redemption. And when we think about the why of redemption, there's a lot of ways that this can be explained. And we think, obviously, uh, scripture is the primary way God speaks. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. Um, Matt reminded us in one of our previous episodes in uh, the four different ways uh, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. That when we look at uh, creation, we can we can we can see what God has made, and that can be helpful for us to understand God because we're seeing His creation. And one thing that God has done is God has um, given different um, artistic abilities to people that help us uh, at times. Just like by talking about God, we can understand more about God and learn more about God. But sometimes through like paintings, we can do that too. And one thing that um, has been talked about at CPYU before is a painting called God's Story by the artist David Arms. Uh, if you've never seen it before, you can look it up. Um, I just Googled it recently and it, it comes up. Or you can go to our cpyu.org 
website and on Walt Mueller, our president, uh, on his blog, this painting is at the top, a picture of it, and it's explained in the bio. Um, but this is giving a picture. There's a tree that's in four different segments. And uh, as we think about just this artist that's portraying this idea of the four different segments, we see the change between the fall, which is in a dead tree, um, and restoration, which comes as the tree is coming back to life. And so we, again, just want to remind youth workers that as you're teaching students the gospel, that it is not you who can save the students. Uh, you could talk about Jesus again and again and again, and you might feel like nothing is happening. But remember what Paul said, that um, we plant the seed and we water the seed, but it is God who gives the growth. So I just want to encourage you today, uh, no matter where you find yourself, no matter if you're encouraged in youth ministry or discouraged, um, that you cannot grow these students. Only God can do it, uh, but we are called to be faithful ministers of the gospel, and we're called to preach the word or teach the word, and that's why we called this the word in youth ministry. So this has been episode 31, uh, part three of our four-part summer series on creation, fall, redemption, consummation, and we hope that you tune in next episode as we talk about consummation and end our summer podcast series. Thanks for listening to The Word in Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.